Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to a very long-awaited episode of First Things in the Morning. Sorry for disappearing for over a month, but college life really just hit me straight in the face. And then I got sick during exams, which was really fun. And, you know, so week after week, it just it didn't work out. But we're back, and as you can hear, hopefully, we're back with better sound than ever. I bought an actual microphone for the podcast. Um, until now, I've been recording on this little like, class recorder that I use for school sometimes. But I figured, you know, if I'm going to do this thing, might as well do it right. I've also learned how to edit out the sound of my fridge, kinda, a little bit. So <laughs> I hope that makes up for the missing episode. And I haven't been sitting on my ass the whole time. I've been working on a new series uh, about religion. And I've actually been uh, to a couple of lectures and um, gatherings, as you would call them probably. Uh, And it was really fun and I learned a lot. Um, Religion for me, you know, I was raised as an atheist. It's something I don't know a lot about. But I really want to do it right and like I want to interview people and get into contact and stuff. So I think the series has to wait till summer when I can, you know, put a lot of time into it. But what are we doing today? Today we are returning to the series Dunks, where we take a look at real-life heroes and take a moment to thank them. So, who is this hero we are talking about? It is Kalash Sajjati, an Indian man who has helped and is helping immensely in the fight against child slavery and mistreatment. The first time I heard about him was when I was in my final year of high school, because I was doing my final research paper on Malala Yousafzai the Nobel Peace Prize winner of 2014. But she wasn't the only winner that year, because she shared the spotlight with Kailash. I remember reading about him a little, but you know, I was a busy 16-year-old and he faded from my mind until I came across an article about him just the other day. And I figured it would be interesting to take a look at his life, you know, his childhood and everything he did to deserve that um, Nobel Peace Prize he won. Kailash was born on January 11, 1954, in Vidisha, a small central Indian town. His dad was a police officer, and his mom was a, and I'm quoting an article here, uneducated yet highly idealistic housewife, which is the best kind of housewife to be. The area he grew up in had Hindu people and Muslim people peacefully living among each other, and he learned how to speak Urdu as well as Hindi and English. All these factors had made a very uh, righteous boy out of Kalash. When he was 11, he first encountered inequality in the form of his classmates no longer being able to go to school because their parents couldn't afford the class books. When Kalash was 15, he first made an attempt at bettering the world. What you have to know for this story is that in India, in the 1960s, when this story took place, but also today still, um, there is a form of a class system that's called um, a caste system. So there are different castes and the people who are considered to be the lowest are sometimes referred to as untouchables because no one from the higher caste wants anything to do with them. They aren't allowed into temple, they are not even allowed into the houses or shops of the people in the higher castes. The leaders of Kailash's town uh, were against this system and they spoke out against the untouchability that these people were forced into. So our 15-year-old Kailash came up with a plan then, because he was proud of his leaders, and he was against this system too. So he figured he wanted to help the cause. Something that would help 
uh, was showing people that these leaders put their money where their mouth was. So he set out to convince uh, some untouchable people to cook for the leaders and serve them the food. Now, people from higher castes eating food that was made by lower caste people or untouchables was something that was unheard of, that, that just didn't happen. So it took Kailash a little while before he could convince uh, people to cook. But in the end, they agreed. So Kailash and his friends set out to invite the um, uh, town representatives. And they agreed to come at first. But then the day arrived where the dinner party, let's say, was supposed to happen. And these people had cooked wonderful food and they wore their best clothes and used their best utensils. But the leaders didn't show up. It's seven o'clock, no one was there. At eight, still no one. They went over again on their bicycles uh, to remind the leaders, like, you promised this, you, did you forget? The first leader had a headache, or so they were told. The second, he would show up later, his wife promised. But these leaders, they didn't face the boys themselves. By ten, still no one had shown up. So Kailash, sad and angry, he ate the food the nice people had prepared that day. Here's a short clip from a speech Kailash gave way later for TED Talk uh, about this very day. I was emotionally drained, rather exhausted. Then sat down where the food was lying. I kept my emotions hold, but then when I took the first bite, I broke down in tears. And suddenly I felt a hand on my shoulder. And it was the healing motherly touch of an untouchable woman. And she told me, Kailash, why are you crying? You have done your bit. You have eaten the food cooked by untouchable, which has never happened in our memory. She said, you won today. And my friends, she was right. Keep in mind that Kalash wasn't from the lowest caste himself. He was the son of a policeman. He was rather middle of the road, middle class. He had fought for the upper class to eat the food of the untouchables. But him eating their food was already an unheard of thing. It was already change. Now, this whole experience already sounds horrifying. Um, imagine this 15-year-old boy who's just trying his best to make something happen and it blows up in his face. But it became worse when he came home. He came home to his mother crying and several higher-class people in his courtyard. They were threatening to outcast the entire family, something that is the biggest shame in India. In the end... It was agreed upon that only Kalash was going to be punished, not the entire family. Which was a good thing, but also not. Because as a punishment, they came up with this ridiculous cleansing ritual that involved a six-kilometer journey, a feast for 101 priests, including washing their feet and drinking that water. Naturally, he refused, because he knew he hadn't done anything wrong, and he wasn't going to do their ritual. In turn... He was barred from his own kitchen, his own dining room. He was no longer considered pure. But that was the day 
where even though people try to outcast him, he outcast the caste system. He started by dropping his family name. In India, most family names are connected to what caste you belong to. So by dropping his name, he dropped his caste. He later replaced it with the name we now know him as, Sarjati, which means seeker of truth. Skip a couple of years forward and our boy has become an electrical engineer. He worked in this field for a while, as well as for universities and colleges as, as a teacher, until he finally gave up his career in engineering in 1980, where he started his first organization. It was called Bachpan Bachao Andolan, uh, also referred to as BBA, which I'm gonna do. <laughs> Uh, it means Safe Childhood Movement. According to the website of the organization, their mission is to identify, release, rehabilitate and educate children in servitude through prevention, direct intervention, coalition building, mass mobilization, legal actions and the creation of a child-friendly society where all children are free from exploitation and receive free and quality education. And to say that Kalash's first try at creating a movement was a success would be a complete understatement. Now, nearly 40 years later, it has aided in the rescue of over 78,000 children from child slavery and human trafficking. These kids were freed through direct rescue operations in factories, but also through the legal route. In 1983, just three years after it started, BBA's actions ensured that the Supreme Court of India made an historic judgment about child labor, and thousands of forced laborers were freed in one go. The organization also helped educate people in other countries about what they were buying from India and who has made their goods. But it wasn't all peaceful success from 1980 forward. Kailash was a leader of sorts, but he very much prides himself in being just one of the people, a regular activist like all the others. He's on the ground and gets his own hands dirty. In 85, he and three other activists were brutally beaten while they were protesting sexual exploitation of enslaved girls and women. Sadly, the activist Ardash Kishore was murdered during this attack. And this was the second martyr in the history of the now only five-year-old organization, as the year before, activist Doom Das also gave his life for the fight of BBA. And Although violent death is, of course, always pointless, their deaths weren't completely in vain, because BBA started to make really big changes in the coming years. In 86, BBA helped enact a new child labor law in India. And with this success, their reach began to grow. They were no longer only in India, they were also freeing um, people all over Asia. And after all these years, Kailash had still not forgotten about the untouchables. It was not just about child labor for him. In 88, he organized a march on the Nadwara temple, entering with untouchables. For the past 400 years, untouchables were not allowed into this temple. And Kailash looked at that rule and marched right the fuck over it. He and five other marchers were again brutally beaten, this time by orthodox priests, which beating people really not a thing priests should do ever. But as we know, um, being a victim of violence will never stop Kailash, and he will always keep on fighting, marching, fighting, freeing. Uh, and those are all important things in the fight against slavery and suppression. But Kailash realized that rehabilitation, and with Kailash, of course, his entire organization, there are many people who are working on all of this. 
uh, they realized that rehabilitation from a life of slavery into a normal life was just as important as being freed from being a slave in the first place. So in 1991, BBA helped establish India's first rehabilitation center for ex-child slaves. In this center, children were fed and clothed, educated, and they were given a place to stay uh, before being reunited with their families whenever possible. But BBA still wasn't enough. And Kalash apparently wanted to work harder than he already did. So while he still worked hard on BBA, he also started and co-founded a whole bunch of other organizations. For instance, he established Good Weave International, a network of non-profit organizations dedicated to ending child labor in the carpet slash rug industry. I didn't notice, but apparently that's an industry with a lot of uh, children. And of course, you know, don't make children work and especially don't force them to work with very dangerous chemicals and machinery. Goodweave did not only try to change the industry in Asia itself, but it also had a campaign uh, running in both Europe and the States throughout the entire 80s and 90s, uh, where they tried to raise customer awareness of what they were buying. Because as we know, in capitalist systems, things only change when the money dictates it. So by making people aware of how bad uh, the rugs they were buying were, it would impact the industry a lot because, you know, if no one buys your rugs anymore because it's produced by children, you stop using children to produce it. Kailash also started a global campaign for education, which he was the president of for many years as well. This global campaign um, formed a partnership with many non-governmental organizations, known as NGOs, uh, that were already working in the area, but that weren't working together, like Oxfam and Action Aid. The campaign works to make people, both children and adults, better educated, because everyone deserves a fair shot at education. So it needs to be more available, it needs to be uh, affordable, and the quality of it needs to be high enough. And this is something that a global campaign for education um, works for. Now, for his work, Kailash has received many awards. Just to give you an idea, his Wikipedia page has a header called Awards and Honors, and it has 24 entries. Almost all of them are awards that have to do with humanitarian causes and human rights activism. The most notable, of course, I already mentioned in the beginning. In 2014, he won the Nobel Peace Prize for, and I'm quoting NobelPrize.org here, um, their struggle against the suppression of children and young people and for the right of all children to have an education. I didn't notice, but when you win the Nobel Prize, it's not just an honor, you actually get a pretty big sum of money, uh, which I guess is logical, but I just never thought of it. The prize is about $1.4 million. Uh, but that year, of course, um, Kailash won the award together with Malala Yousafzai, so they split it through the middle. And Kailash dedicated his entire share of the um, money to the advancement of children's rights because that's what he has dedicated his entire life to you know what else was he gonna do with the money in 2015 he even gave away his Nobel Prize medal uh, to the president of India dedicating his prize to his motherland and its great people he has freed thousands of children from terrible circumstances he has changed laws he has changed minds and in the end, when he won one of the biggest prizes that is available for these kind of causes, he didn't even keep the prize. Kailash Sarkyarti is truly a good man. Someone who saw a problem and decided 
not to take it. So to you, Kalash, I would like to say thank you for everything you've done and continue to do. If you would like to help him in his cause, maybe consider donating to BBA or one of his other organizations. I will put a link to the donation page of BBA in the description of this episode, and I will also post it on my Twitter. So, this was all I had for you today, but as you know by now, reach me on Twitter at InTheMorningPod or email me at firstthingspod at gmail.com. And now there's nothing left for me to do then. Say goodbye and wish you a wonderful day. See you next week.